With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, today's guest is Matt Skiba, guitarist and vocalist for Blink-182 and Alkaline Trio. I've known Matt uh, for, for many moons. Uh, what a wonderful human being and uh, such such a talent. Uh, amazing songwriter uh, and lyricist. Uh, absolutely love Matt. Uh, he picked the uh, Alkaline Trio classic radio to discuss today. And uh, uh, man, uh, th- this, was, uh, this was a fun one to talk about. A lot of, a lot of things about this song I had no idea about. Uh, Matt talked about how he wrote radio very quickly while in the studio during the recording of Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Uh, he said the lyrics and the music were written all at once, like uh, as if it was something that was gifted to him. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, to him that the song is almost five minutes long but uh, it doesn't feel that way at all just kind of takes you on this ride uh first line of the song i could have never pulled this off with the conviction that matt did uh the first line of the song is shaking like a dog shitting razor blades and uh i had no idea what that meant and matt told me that that's a uh, vietnam war reference basically uh for shell shock um you know i had also mentioned this is a very mature song for it being on alkaline trio's uh, second record uh matt didn't think that his lyrics would affect people uh, the way that they did and uh, boy was he wrong uh, like I said at the top he, he's written some some amazing lyrics that really uh, really touch people uh, Matt writes songs knowing which project that it's for uh, you know I had asked him uh, you know when you write a song do you do you know if it's for blink or alkaline or for your solo stuff and he said he, he always has a, has an idea of, of what it's gonna be for and uh, he mentions the power of simplicity that you can write something timeless with three chords and a melody for all this and much more stay tuned Radio wasn't a song we had written for Maybe I'll Catch Fire. And it felt like, um, you know, we needed some dynamic in the record. So I just took an acoustic guitar outside in the back of the studio uh, in Chicago uh, at Matt Allison's place and, and wrote, um, just started tinkering around with the that part and wrote the song in maybe like 15 minutes. Wow. And we went back inside and recorded it and was... You know, I thought, well, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, whatever. Uh, and then it turned out to be everybody's favorite song. Well, and it's amazing, too, because, of, of course, I'm familiar with the song. I've heard it a number of times over the years. But, uh, you know, when when a guest picks a song, I start to really analyze it and critique it. I pick up the guitar. I want to learn the arrangement. And I mean, and, and don't take this the wrong way, what a simplistic idea. But, my God, it just... 
uh, has such feeling and such emotion. I mean, and, and that's that's classic Alkaline Trio. The lyrics are what really uh, you guys are known for, you're known for. And, uh, you know, this song is is four minutes and 41 seconds. But the beauty of it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that to me. If, it feels right. like it feels like a shorter song because of four minutes and 41 seconds. That could be, uh, you know, a little little labor intensive, uh, some songs that long. But this one doesn't, yeah. does, it doesn't four feel minutes like. or 41 seconds is a long time if you're getting your toenails pulled or like, well, but I don't think there's a wrong way, not a wrong way I could take that because I think um, at least for me, the simplest uh, way to get there as far as it being a good song and something that uh, it, one at least listener can can um, apply to their own lives or a situation they're going through uh, and the you know as the crow flies or just the easiest way to get there I think is the best well yeah and I didn't mean so much simplistic from a stamp lyrically there's a lot here to swallow and digest and, and of course we'll get into that I meant more from a standpoint of just choral arrangement I mean yeah that's what I'm talking about yeah yeah I mean and the, the song, it's like you know the the stuff that I'm sure um you know, you're you're uh, a lot more uh, musically proficient than I am, especially with guitar. Um, but, you know, I grew up writing. Um, I was never really a metal kid, so I can't wail. And, I, you know, I never I I dug a lot of it. 1984 was my first record. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff I was a fan of, but I never learned it. The music I learned was like D.I. and Misfits and real simple stuff. So, um, you know, it wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of choices there, but it's for some reason it worked. And oddly enough, when we're on tour, um, people can't figure out where you could figure it out. No problem. But a lot of people can't figure out what, where the, the notes are. For some right. reason. Yeah. Right. Well, cause it has, it does have this, what I call a little trick in there and you got to know what I think. I, I, it took me, it took me a second to figure out the riff. <laughs> so I, I do, I do know what you mean about that. Now you, you went on the back porch and uh, you know, for the listeners, I'll just tell you, Matt Allison were, were the uh, alkaline trio to this record. Uh, Matt owns Atlas studios in Chicago where less than Jake tracked our GNV FLA record in 2008. Matt's a, an amazing, uh, amazing person, amazing producer. Um, so you go back out of, of Matt's place and uh, 15 minutes, you said you wrote this thing. Now you wrote it like music wise, um, or did you, were you starting to already formulate lyrics or, or were the lyrics like somewhere in a journal or something? Do you remember? No, it was all, um, I, I started playing it and I had to go back inside and grab a pencil and a pen or <laughs> pencil. I'm going to get a beer and something to drink. Um, I had to <laughs> grab a pencil and a notepad and wrote the, I mean, it was all written right there. Lyrics, music, everything front to finish. So it just kind of came out of you. Yeah. And as a songwriter, I'm sure you can relate. There's just those, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's a great feeling when it feels like it's something that was just gifted to you. Sure. Yeah. And you know, that was one of those songs where it felt like somebody else just, here you go. That is so cool. When now you, you, you get done, you're outside, you bring the acoustic back in and you go, I got something. And do you remember the reaction from from the guys uh, uh, and Matt, uh, Allison, the producer, when you when you showed it to him? I I do. Yeah. Um, they couldn't believe me that they didn't believe me that I just went out there and wrote that. <laughs> they were like, you just wrote that right. You just walked outside. I was like, I know it's it's simple. Like, I thought I was going to, you know, get laughed at or whatever. I'm like, I just did it quick. I don't know. I just thought whatever. They're like, no, dude, it's incredible. What are you talking about? 
So and, and, uh, and, it, and it really it really is, and that that again when I and I used the word simplistic earlier, it's so catchy though. I mean, you know, if you just look at this song and I broke it down, the intro alone, just that guitar arpeggiated part is thirty four seconds long yes. before lyric number one, and I want to get into lyric number one. <laughs> Because lyric number one of this song, like there's no way. And as this all goes back, and, I, and I've talked about this on the show before, the conviction and the heart and where you're coming from as a songwriter and as a singer, that that dictates everything sometimes. And in the case of this line, if I sang this line in a Less Than Jake song, I don't know if I could have got through it with a straight face or, or it would have come across with any type of conviction. The first line of the song is shaking like a dog shitting razor blades. Yeah. So, so, so set, set that up. Cause I'm, I'm reading this song and I almost feel like this could be construed as a love song, but maybe not. So set, set that line up and set maybe the, the, the first verse here up of, of where your head was at lyrically. So my, uh, both of my parents are Vietnam veterans and, um, my, one of my dear friends, David Dunham, uh, a buddy of mine uh, from Chicago, we were talking about, uh, we were out at his dad's place um, on the East Coast years years ago, and his dad was telling us, um, you know, some Vietnam stories, just, just you know, kind of lighthearted buddy, his stuff with his buddies, or tell, talking about friends of his and stuff like that. And he was talking about them getting pinned down um, during an ambush, and he said, um you know, they were getting fired upon and they thought that, you know, that was it. These got the, the, the vehicle were closing in. And he said, we were shaking like a dog shitting razor blades, which was a term that, um, that soldiers used for shell shock. Oh, right. Okay. Which, which, which is the old word, which is the old word for PTSD. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it cut touching close to home for my folks being there and his father, you know, my dear friend's father, who I became close with, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it sounds silly, but it's the opposite. Huh. Um, you know, it's actually something quite serious. So for me, it, you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't even think of it as the like literal dog. You know, I think of Dave's dad in a trench or wherever they were. Right. And I, I didn't take it as, as literal, like a dog shit and razor blades, but I just thought that lyric is so descriptive, you know, and, and the, and the way you're explaining it it is fascinating. And just looking through the lyrics here again, you know, um, a a lot of your songs deal, you know, with, and that's the thing I do love about your lyrics too, is they're they're They can be very ambiguous at times. And, and that's the the beauty of music and, and lyrics. You can find your own meaning through it, but you know, this almost, like I said, could appear to be a love song at points. Um, yeah. and, and where, where, you know, the inspiration behind this is fascinating. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is, a um, uh, I guess a love song in, in a sense, um, but I, I wanted to, there was obvious, there was a girl involved. There's always a girl, um, whether it's current or made up or whatever, usually with, you know, there has, for me anyway, there has to be some sort of muse, um, which doesn't have to be a, a girl. It could be a car or a cigarette or whatever it is, but you have to be writing about something, at least in, in my, for, for my own, uh, you know, songwriting. So, you know, it's, it's, the, the thought of that line and the thought of Dave's dad, for whatever reason, it just came to me at that moment, or I'd, I'd recalled it at that moment. 
Um, and it, it, it played to, or spoke to, um, something that I was, you know, a relationship issue I was having at the time or, or a breakup or whatever it was. Honestly, I, I can't remember specifically who, who the, who the who was, but, um, it is a, it is a love song. Um, I just kind of stole that, that line from Dave's dad. Gotcha. And, you know, this song to me really, I mean, and it was only your second record. Usually you don't hear of a band being the, the, the four letter word, the mature word until later in their, in their works. But this song was to me, it was kind of like the writing on the wall of kind of where you were going to go later in your career. This was a very grown up song for, I, I feel you guys to write. Did you feel that way when you, when you penned it? No, I, I, um, honestly, uh, at that time, um, you know, we, it was our second record, but we were, we were still pretty brand new. And so I, I had a lot of uncertainty about what, you know, it's sort of like, um, if you're self-conscious about your, uh, appearance, like what, what do you look like to other people? And same thing with songs for me, at least initially, it's like, I, I thought I was going to go in there. <clears throat> and get laughed out of the place. So, you know, collectively everybody loved it and we recorded it, but I still wasn't sure. So at the time, um, I didn't think that, but looking back on it and what a little shithead I was when I wrote that, <laughs> it is very sure that that I, uh, you know, could verbalize those those feelings and, and make them, uh, you know, poetic in, in a sense. No, I mean, it, I don't know. That's the only word I could really think of was maybe not mature. It just seems grown up for you on your second record to come forward. This song, it's, a, you know, you kind of put your vulnerable side out there, at least to me as a songwriter. This is nothing that I could have written on my second record, anywhere close of something of this. And I mean that with my heart, man. That's this yeah, is like no, I appreciate it. And in terms of like how you just put it, you know, it's uh, it absolutely was a mature song, you know, like um for a second, I just never really thought of it that way. That's well, no, cool. I, when I, and I remember hearing it. And of course, at the time, you know, you guys are from Chicago and, and a lot of bands I love from that area, you know. But when I put the song back on uh, today and I, and I listened to it a bunch this morning and I, I just I harked back to that time period. And I just want to throw a couple bands out there and sure. and and just see. I mean, I hear a little Smoking Popes, of course, um, of course Chicago, amazing band. I hear a little braid, a little get up kids and a little promise ring in here. And it was during that time where a lot of bands were doing what was what was then labeled as emo. Um, but this still is undeniably Alkaline Trio. It sounds like you um, were any of those bands. I mean, I know the Popes were, but were any of those bands on, on your radar when you were when you wrote this particular song or a song like it? They they were, but not so much as as uh influential they they weren't as influential to us as the popes were and right. still are sure um you know they they uh like this like radio is a perfect example like you know a lot of the 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 popes write josh writes the most incredible lyrics um you know he's writing about his his relationship with jesus and it sounds like you don't necessarily you know, I, I certainly can't, can't relate to that. I, I, admi I admire and respect that. But uh, until he tells me that, I assume it's about a girl, you know, or I could see um, whoever I'm with or just broke, had just gone through something with, you know, it's just um, as specific and odd as his lyrics are. It's just that, that, that was um, 
you know, apart from just delivery and the style, it, his choice of, of metaphor or, you know, songs like Sandra, um, just some of the old Pope songs, the, the lyrics are so awkward, but so perfect. Um, and that was something that, you know, Josh definitely inspired me to, to take those chances and to be, um, you know, I guess, write things that make you feel weird. And, sure. Uh, yeah. And I can, I can, I can definitely hear it in, in this track. And, and the reason I brought up that, that time period is because, you know, we were all, you know, trying to find our footing. Everyone, you know, we were, we were writing records and you guys were a young band and I can definitely hear those influences. But again, it, it is undeniably Alkaline Trio. It's not like it's a ripoff of any of those bands. I only brought them up as a, as a reference point. Um, well, yeah. And the, the, the other bands, I mean, Braid, Promise Ring, uh, Get Up Kids, those were all, and they still are, our, our homies. You know, those guys are awesome. Yeah. And their bands, you know, Promise Ring, it was so cool. Chicago, um, one thing I really love, I'm, I'm a proud Chicago in it, and the scene there was not competitive. You know, we we were, nobody was trying to, to outdo each other. And when, like, when I moved to the Bay Area, uh, it seemed like everybody was in a race, and everybody kind of secretly didn't like each other, and it was... Um, you know, I'm, I lived in Oakland for a couple of years and, you know, it's a, it's a rad scene, Gilman street and all of it, but Chicago, we had a real community, you know, well, Ch- Chicago is the only town that I've ever been to. I say town city, a major, uh, I call it a town too. yeah, but a, ma- a major, a major U S metro, you know, metropolitan area that I've ever been to that had a sense of community of what you're speaking about, man. And that, and just the, all the bands like, Oh, this guy was in Tuesday, but he also played in the Broadways and this guy was in slapstick oh, yeah, and right. he played in alkaline. And, and you know, this guy played in 88 fingers, Louie. Now he's in rise against and everyone, there was no, like, like you said, like shit talking going on. It was always uh, a, a greater sense of community there than, than anywhere else I ever felt, which what, what, what do you, what do you attribute to that? I think that, um, you know, Chicago is uh, a working class city. I think, um, you know, like the the rock star thing doesn't really fly there. Um, you know, classist like or any sort of like hierarchy doesn't exist there. Uh, and I think it all stems from just like the blue collar blood of the city um, that nobody's better than each other. Interesting. Um, getting back to the song, the f- now you know the intro is thirty four seconds, and then the verse starts, which is just a continuation of the intro. The drums drop in, the bass drops in, and we're at almost another forty five seconds here with <laughs> with a lot of lyrics. And again, you're, there's really no pre chorus. After that ends, it comes back to a re the re intro, and then it goes to verse two, which is as long as the first verse, um, and then. Out of nowhere, boom. It's what I guess you would call the chorus, but it doesn't feel like a chorus, but it's just the big guitars come in. You know, I've got a big fat fucking bone to pick with you, my darling. In case you haven't heard, I'm sick and tired of trying. I wish you would take my radio to bathe with you, plugged in and ready to fall. Um, yeah. That's brutal. And like I said, is term, in terms of a love song, that's why I was thinking that, okay. I remember what it's about now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that line, I'm like, oh right. Um, <laughs> does it really go two rounds of the verses before it hits a chorus? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god! I never. So you're so you're you're looking at, at like a minute in in fifty seconds before it hits a chorus, which wow. you know that's almost time for another song. But again, it, it's 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 testament to how cool this thing flows because it's four. It's a almost a five minute track, um, but it doesn't feel like it. And and that's my next question. Do you remember? Um, did, did Matt Allison or any other guys, quote unquote, did anybody like produce this at some point? Or was this the exact idea you wrote on the porch, you brought in and recorded? Or was there ever like, hey, maybe this is too long or we should cut this part or maybe we need a bridge in the song? Or was this the arrangement? That, you know, we didn't even really think like that, Chris. Like we, we just had ideas and wrote them as we, you know, like that was it. We didn't even consider moving things around or... And it wasn't, it wasn't because we were precious about our ideas. It was just, it's just we the way were, it was. We were, you know, inexperienced songwriters. We were just like cutting our teeth. So the rearranging and pre-court, we just didn't, hadn't even gotten there yet. But I could imagine, though, like later on, like Agony and Irony or or, or Crimson or something, if you guys were to take this song in, that it, it could have got probably chopped to shreds or fucked up by some producer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but because and or by us, I mean, we or by you. Yeah, because you learn so much old songs. And, and we're just like, what the what were we smoking that made it seem like a good idea that this should be an eight minute intro or like, you know, <laughs> we play some of those older songs, especially ones we haven't played in a while. It's like. Dude, what were we not thinking? Um, well, and 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 then so you go into what I guess would be like I said, it's not like a traditional chorus. There's no hook that goes over and over again. Of course, that the, the this descriptive lyrics in this are just the imagery is amazing. You know, I wish you would take my radio to bathe with you, plugged in and ready to fall. I mean, that that kind of kind of says it all. And after chorus one. Uh, it's what I wrote here in my notes is the re re intro. So there's now there's now a third intro that happens just like the first and second time. And then verse three comes in and verse three is exactly like verse number one, except for the last line. After you say, um, if Columbus was wrong, I'd drive straight off the edge. I'm seeing red. And the first verse you repeat, I drive straight off the edge. Um, so you pretty much used the whole first verse again, but just stuck tag that line at the end. Do you remember why you wanted to get that descriptor in there or why you changed that one line? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I think that was something that happened, you know, in the vocal booth when we were, when we were tracking the song. I, I'm in fact, I know it was, um, because I was, you know, the, the, the third verse, one of the Riri, when it repeats, it's, when it repeats itself, um, you know, I'm singing it an octave higher and, you know, it's obviously the song's gotten bigger by that point. So I just thought, you know, if it does the same thing again, it's really going to sound like, you know, back then it's like third verse, same as the first, but I, I always felt like it was cheating if I didn't change a tag or a phrasing or something. But that was, that was my, um, Oh man, uh, I can re- I can relate to that. Absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of times where you couldn't think of another verse, but you needed one. You're like, okay, we're just going to use the first one. I'm, and I was always like, we got to change at least one line or one yeah. word. <laughs> that. Yeah, and it was spur of the moment. Like, I'm just you know going to state the obvious because usually when you're hoping someone gets electrocuted in their bathtub, you're not you're not seeing <laughs> you know you're not seeing purple or you know whatever green. It's like you're pissed. So, um, yeah, it just sort of, you know, fell out of my face. 
Well, you know, and, and, and now after verse three, we don't do any departure. It's it just goes straight into chorus two, and you you go, of course go up the octave again. You're you're screaming your heart out, but again the chorus never it doesn't double. It's not like you hear it twice. You just hear the chorus one more time, and then the fourth outro happens, which is the same as as the other ones, and you're just repeating the refrain um, plugged in and ready to fall, and then the song. Uh, ends on what what I call the suspense chord. It, 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 it doesn't resolve. It ends on the A chord, which I love. I, lo- I love that, especially for this tune, because it kind of, this is a song to me that uh, you don't want it to end. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like it kind of has to, it kind of has to have that cliffhanger note of like, wait, <laughs> is it going to come back? Um, and uh, so, you know, when you, when the song was done, the record is, is is pressed. It's ready to go. Do you remember the the initial reaction to to fans when they heard this and and what what they thought? Like, was it was it was it a quote unquote hit among the fans uh, right off the bat? I honestly I don't remember. Um, I I think so, but but I, I you know I remember um, doing interviews and yeah I, I I think it was pretty immediate. I'm trying to like envision the show and people's reaction. But I think just from, you know, especially back then it was, you know, there was no internet, there was no, you couldn't get uh, people's reaction across the globe, but it, it was um, amongst our friends and, you know, fans, which were kind of the same thing at that point. um, Everybody was, was um, pretty shocked and psyched at, at the quality of the song, which, it, like you said, as as and I like the word simplistic. You know, I, I think um, uh, if you can achieve something good or great or whatever, uh, you know, in an easy way, it's there's there's a magic to that. Um, oh well, man, I mean, I could like this this tune. I mean, I could hear some producer taking it and putting strings over it, over the yeah. <laughs> you know, over the intro or the outro, and uh, doing all kinds of crazy production and sounds and vocals and harmonies and overlays, but. That to me takes away from the, and when I say simplistic, it's more of a, uh, it, it's, this is, I, I don't know. I feel like it's personal when I put this song and I feel like, yeah, there's a band playing, there's bass and drums, but I feel like it's, it's a guitar player, singer, songwriter, you, that's just singing to me like across the room. That's the okay. vibe. I, that's the vibe I get from it. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you, do you remember if you played the track, um, on the, maybe I'll catch fire tour? We did, yeah. Um, and I, I, uh, it was a weird time. I mean, the the uh, part of the reason. I mean, I, I, um, you know, I, I everything is a bit of a blur. Anyway, over you know twenty something years, we've all been doing this. It's like certain things stick out. And with maybe I'll catch fire. I don't know if I've ever told anyone this, but um, we were already having some serious problems with our drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, the guy that played on Maybe I'll Catch Fire, Glenn, who uh, was my, you know, we were inseparable for many years. And um, we just, you know, I'll leave it at that, that we were just, we were having some very serious personal difficulties. And um, that took up a lot of my uh, bandwidth, you know, as far as, as, uh, understood. Concerned, but I, I remember playing it live. I remember fucking it up a lot live because it's so damn long and <laughs> repetitive. And you know, after you're on the road for three weeks, especially when it's like a tour that I they let me book, 
um, which is crazy to think about, but um, <laughs> you know, playing in living rooms or you know pizza places in the middle of nowhere or whatever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah, we. But, but I think I remember people were... Uh, the, the, I remember one of the first things um, w- that struck me was people singing along to the songs that we'd written. I couldn't believe it. Like people in Nebraska or, you know, wherever. Um, one of the first tours, when, you know, I have to say that, Chris, you and your band uh, are such a huge reason that we're where we're at today. Um, the Less Than Jake all and discount alkaline trio tour was our first big tour that's the first time we played in front of you know in front of real audiences thanks to you guys well thank you and i I remember like yesterday i remember the first show with you guys it was at a place called ziggy's in winston-salem north carolina and uh and i was stoked because i remember meeting you uh through pete anna Um, our old trombone player, um, who played in slapstick and who, you know, very well. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and Peter had, you know, been telling me, yeah, my, my friend, Matt, he's got this band together. And I remember, I know I told you this story. I remember seeing your, your band's name in print and, you know, bands in the nineties always kind of would come up with these wacky names. And, and I really thought you were the Alkaline trio at first and and, (laughs) and Alkaline, I'm from Detroit. He was a famous baseball player from the fifties and sixties from, from Detroit. And then it's like, no, it's the Alkaline trio. Oh, and, uh, but yeah, you guys, uh, that was the first time I had ever seen your band that night at Ziggy's and, um, I don't know, you know, you guys were really new then. I don't know if you'd ever played to that many people. I think there was probably probably six or 700 people, 800 people there that night. I remember it very well. I, that's a show. I mean, I remember almost every um, moment on that tour. And to this day, I mean, we learned so much from you guys. I remember um, following your tour bus in our van to the hotel. You guys had day rooms, uh, which we didn't know what that meant. at at the time and you guys were so kind uh and gave us your day room at the end of the night you guys would shower and then give us the key to the room and then we could all sleep in there which is something we still do because you taught us how to do that you know (laughs) kindnesses you you uh that you guys paid to us really you know we learned a lot from touring with you guys that time well, thanks. And, you know, and it, and it was evident, too, um, that, that there was something there. You can just tell it. You know, it uh, at that point, I, you know, we'd already been a band for five or six years. And and, uh, you know, I, I knew there was I knew there was something special when, when I when I saw you guys. It was like, OK, they're they're, they're on to something here. And I mean, from that moment on, uh, you know, goddamn, it came out. And of course, maybe I'll catch fire. But, uh, you know, your your trajectory was was you know, especially from maybe I'll catch fire. You said, yeah, you know, you were booking your own tours, going and playing pizza places, but things started to happen, really happen for you guys around then. Um, you know, what, you know, you had mentioned a little bit ago about, you know, having people sing your words back to you. Did you ever think, especially as, you know, a song like radio, I mean, these, these lyrics again are, um, 
you know, there, <laughs> a lot of the scene we were coming out with, and it was a lot of pop punk and there was, you know, songs about girls and goofy stuff, but this is kind of a little, little next level here. Did, did you ever think your lyrics were going to hit people like, like they have? No, I didn't think, um, you know, the, the, the band would, you know, obviously we, we worked, uh, really hard and we were, um, you know, uh, we, we just have, um, you know, surpassed any goals that we initially set for the band, um, in every way. And we have you and your band and the early fans. I mean, the people that supported us so early on, um, and who identify, I mean, there was, we had a, um, Rocket from the Crypt, one who was, you know, another band that we, you know, stole a lot of ideas from, um, or inspired a lot of our, our ideas. You know, they have the rocket bomb uh, symbol, mm-hmm. and it, for a long time, I, I don't know if they still do this, but I'm guessing not. Uh, you'd get into the show free if you had a Rocket from the Crypt tattoo, and um, you know, all three of us all had our Alkaline Trio tattoos. We were a gang and all that. But we, we said the same thing. Like, if you get an Alkaline Trio tattoo, you can get into the show for free. And I remember being playing in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and this was maybe, you know, this was definitely, well, it wasn't definitely anything. It was, it was, it was early on, and I remember, like, half the kids had the tattoo. <laughs> and we're talking, like, that we were opening for Face to Face. So it was, like, there was, like, a thousand people. I remember Danny went to jail that night. Oh. Um, but that was the night we realized, like, we can't do that because all of our fans have the tattoo, which is another <laughs> thing that just like this, the, them singing lyrics back. People, um, you know, saying that you you kept me from killing myself or you gave me hope when my wife or girlfriend left. I guess it would, back then it was a girlfriend. But um, those things is it never, you know, and kids always, as, as you know, like they always um, – premise it with i'm sure you hear this all the time mm-hmm. and it's like well, I, I do i i you know but it never gets old you know it doesn't it doesn't mean less to me because i've heard somebody else say this i you know i don't think you're making uh, it it never it never loses its luster i've had any no. i'm sure i'm sure you've had fans come up and, it, and it's almost gut-wrenching they'll say man I, I know you hear this all the time but you know i, I almost killed myself after my dad died you know and they yeah, start, they no, start I don't and and I, I, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I, I, it emotionally affects me. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say to you. Give me a hug. You know, yeah, that's what I do a hug. I go hug because there were times where I would start crying. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, or same thing. It's like, you're, you're, there aren't really words. It's just hug the guy or the girl, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else I want to touch on, um, you know, you've, uh, outside of Alkaline Trio have, have done some, a uh, number of projects, um, Matt Skiba and the secrets, and you, you did the heavens, uh, project. When you write a song, uh, you sit down and, and, uh, you, you go back behind the studio, you write a tune. Do you, are they always Matt Skiba songs that could go to any project and, and including, uh, including, you know, now that you're writing and recording with blink or, or do you, in your mind, when you write something, you go, ah, that's for the secrets or that's for alkaline or that's for blink or are they, are they, you know, uh, set aside in, in, in that type of thinking or are they all just Matt Skiba songs that could go anywhere? Uh, they're not, I mean, the, the, Songs that I write at home, I mean, I, I try and write a song a day, at least just pick up a guitar and, you know, 
um, it, that's a loose, um, uh, term, I guess it's like, I, I at least try and pick up the guitar and write every day is what I came to the real, it's like writing a whole song every day. It's like, you're just going to write a bunch of shit and occasionally write a good song. So I loosen the reins a little bit and I just try, try and play every day and, and, you know, nine out of 10 times I'll come up with something. Um, and those songs are usually for alkaline trio. Because with Blink, um, when I first started playing with them, when we first started writing the, the, the first record, I was writing songs for Blink at home and bringing them to rehearsal or bringing them, excuse me, bringing them to the studio, and they just sound like Alkaline Trio. So with Blink, it was you know far more effective to write together, you know. And Travis and Mark are both incredible song songwriters. Travis has um, uh, something I didn't know until playing with him that how um, how great his musical mind is. I mean, the guy has ideas for guitar parts and vocal parts and you know all kinds of things. And um, so and you know the the drums and the songs being built around drum parts a lot of the time. Uh, with Blink, we write everything in the studio. Uh, Trio, the the last record we did, we wrote almost the entire thing in the studio. Um, okay. You know, it's to me that's a luxury. I mean, it's really fun. I like I like writing on the spot, and I think it it um, can you know at you, you get lucky and you get some of your best stuff. But I think um, you know the next time we, re- we record, I'm going to come in with some songs. And you know, Dan is a lot more organized than I am, and he usually has some great stuff. You know, d- um, demoed really well and. I, I use voice memo on my phone to record demos. I do too. <laughs> I just want everybody to put their own, you know, I don't want to put a drum part on it. And then that dictates, you know, it's sort of like I leave it as open as it can. It's partly out of laziness, but also out of, um, you know, wanting the song to, to become an alkaline trio song or, um, you know, and, and as far as the secrets go that, you know, yeah, the secrets, I write the song specifically for that because those records I've come at a time when I have the time to do them, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, in, in, in regards to, you know, what you said a moment ago, and it was, it was interesting and humbling. And you, you said, you know, when I write these songs and I brought them into blink, they sound like alkaline trio songs. I like to write with the guys and, and it's humbling in the sense that like, you know, that, that, you're, the songs you're bringing in, maybe I don't want to say they sound too much like your other band or too much like you, but you know, you know that you're part of another band now. You're part of of, of doing Blink, and you want to and and in listening to those songs, and I've heard both the, both records you did. Um, I don't really hear Alkaline Trio. You know, I mean, I it's your voice. I know it's you, uh, but the, it's produced and the production's different than what Alkaline does, um, and 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 it really is is set apart. And I think I think that's awesome. And uh, you know, that's kind of kind of why I wanted to ask you that. If you know, like, what song is is for what project, and and the, the way you explain that's interesting. I could see how why you would want to do that. Yeah, it's it, you know, we all have our own um, styles, and you know, I. Um, I try, you know, I'll, I'll write on bass or I'll write on a keyboard or whatever to try and what, no matter what, who it's for. Um, and no matter what, it always comes out sounding the same, you know, the, 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 uh, it's always the same kind of shapes and sounds and, and, uh, you know, it's, it, to me, it's, it wasn't discouraging. It's more flattering. And, and now we have a new, uh, initiative or, a um, 
you know, a, a new thing we have to put into put into play to de-alkaline my ideas. But it's, <laughs> it's great fun. Those guys are awesome to be in the studio with, and you know, it's 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 a blast. It's it's also you know, it keeps it interesting having uh, these different you know, um, I'd say just these different bands that I play in that go about things so differently. Um, but equally effectively. Yeah. And that's something I, I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of listeners don't realize is every band is its own unique animal. Every band. I mean, any band that I've ever talked to, like, like from business to recording to you do it that way. What you do? What? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah well, we do it. This, you do what? And then you look at each other like, are you crazy? Um, yeah. but, but yeah, every, every band is, is, is its own animal. Um, so, you know, Again, when I think of of Matt Skiba, just personally, and I've known you for years, you're a dear friend. But yeah. when I think of you, just the first thing that comes to mind for me is 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 you're a lyricist before you're a songwriter. I just your your lyrics resonate. I mean, there's oh, a number of friends of mine over the year. I remember being uh, you know living in Tampa some years ago. I came to see you guys down at Janus Landing, and I was going there with some friends. And this this girl that used to cut my hair, she's just freaking out. I mean, she's like, "Are we gonna get to meet him?" And like, and it wasn't from a starstruck like he's my favorite rock star and I think he's cute. You know, it might have been some of that, but <laughs> it was more from she she just was so attracted to your lyrics your lyrics oh, touched okay. her just so like on such a, a next level and um and and she's just one example over the years of people you know and with that said where do you want to see yourself now uh tw- you know 20 years removed from starting out and being a kid and being that young songwriter where do you want to see are there any goals you have and where, where do you want to see yourself going as a songwriter and a lyricist um <sighs> That's a good question. I I uh, I just hope that um, you know. I think I, I remember as a um, as a kid, I played. I had like my high school band, and even back then, I played drums uh, in all the all the little bands we had back in in uh, my, back in Chicago, in the outskirts of Chicago. Uh, and I would write all the lyrics. I'd write all the songs, write all the lyrics, but I would play drums, and we'd get other people uh you know my whatever my whoever my bandmates were to play their respective uh instruments and i remember at one point writing this song and i thought to myself i'm never gonna write anything better than this and (laughs) and i listened to it you know like a year or two ago and it's fucking awful and (laughs) i want to put put that practice i i I can't really say where i want to be but i don't want to look back and think that the stuff I'm writing now is awful, but I just always want to have, I always want to be progressing. I always want to get better at the craft of, of songwriting or writing lyrics and not even from, you know, not learning bigger words, not, you know, whatever, but just um, even making it going back to the simplicity of it. Um, yeah, I, I, that's the worst part for me. Uh, the longer I do this, the the I, I tend to forget how just a simple idea can just be the greatest thing. I mean, look at the Misfits, the Ramones. I mean, that music still speaks to me. Uh, you know, those records are timeless, and uh, it was three chords and a melody. You know. Well, the the thing that um, like I was I, I got the new Strokes record recently, and and um, I'm a huge Strokes fan. Uh, they, you know, they had a, a few records in there that, that, you know, I didn't love, 
But Rick Rubin produced their new record. And something that I love about this guy, and this pertains to what we're talking about, his, his main focus with every band he works with is getting them back to that simplicity, getting back mm-hmm. to what made people fall in love with your band the first time. He did it with Slayer. He did it with Neil Diamond. Yeah. He's done so many bands. Johnny Cash. I'm a Neil Diamond fan. I'd say that with, you know, it, 12 songs, the Rick Rubin record, Neil Diamond, 12 songs. Talk about uh, simple lyric, simple um, progressions and just heart wrenching. There's a song called Oh Mary that you have to listen to um, if you haven't heard it. But uh, that guy. You know, it's it, and that's something I knew about him years ago. And I, I know Rick a lit, like we're friendly acquaintances or whatever. But you know, I'm a fan, so I'm always kind of reading about him and the projects he's working on. And you know, he just really encourages people to go back to that thing. And uh, so I think you know, I always want to have, um, you know, that north star that that um, you know brings you back to why you're doing this and why people love what you do. And that's hard to do. And I've had this conversation with other people. The only way way I can explain it is it's like, you know, every time uh, someone comes over to your mom's house, she still has that picture you drew when you were five years old. Isn't that cute? What Matt did, isn't that cute? And you're like, mom, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, I don't want to go back to my first record and write like that. Well, there's something special there. There was something innocent. There was something guttural. There was something that the fans just love because it was primitive. You didn't overcook and overthink the idea. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, it's uh uh like you said about producers, it's like, you know, sometimes uh I think more more times than not. I mean, you guys have worked, I didn't know you guys worked with Matt Allison. That's really cool. Oh yeah. Mhm. Yeah. You guys recorded at Atlas. At Atlas, yeah, in 2008, we did a record there. It was uh it was awesome. We we decided to go to Chicago in the heart of the winter. We pulled up in February. Oh. It was good. <laughs> But we had the we had we had the time of our lives. It was uh it was awesome. Yeah, Chicago's it's brutal in the winter. I guess I, I equate it with me when I was bike messengering there and started in the winter. Um, oh, but, uh, you know, even just like walking down the street, I haven't been there in the dead of winter in a long time. Yeah. Um, and even when, when we were living in Chicago, we would tour so that we would miss the winters because it's like, <laughs> you know, on a, on, a, on a good day, it's 20 below. It's gnarly. Yeah, I know. So, um, well, hey, we're going to wrap up here. Is oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> is there anything that uh, you'd like to leave the listeners with? Anything uh, Matt Skiba or any of your bands uh, related? Uh, I would like to say thank you to all the fans out there, everybody that, um, you know, that's kept us more than afloat, that's kept us, um, you know, propelling all this time, uh, especially your friend who was really excited to meet the lyricist guy. <laughs> and, um, not the band guy. Hi, Kate. Uh, is it Kate? <laughs> yep, that's Kate. <laughs> hey, thank you, Kate. Much love, darling, and and I love that story. So, thank you, Kate, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. And and most importantly, Chris, thank you for having me and for taking us on tour way back when. I I'm not sure we would be talking right now if it, if it weren't for you. Well, that that uh, that means a lot, man, and I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm I'm so happy you you carved out some time for uh, to, for me to be on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. 
I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know, where each week I will preview a select band of my choice that you may or may not know. If you'd like your band to be previewed on Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. All I ask for is a good quality recording of a song you feel best represents your band. This week's featured band is another cheetah from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And who says that there isn't perks with being the producer of uh, Krista Makes a Podcast? This is Chris Fafalios, the producer of the show. This is his other band. And by other band, I uh, I know you, a lot of you know him from Punchline. But uh, this is Chris's other band uh, with Paul and PJ, who were uh, also used to be in Punchline. And, um, you know, we talked about uh, in the Skiba episode uh, how songs just happen sometimes how they're gifted to you. And uh, Chris told me that uh, this song we're about to play is one of those that uh, he's experienced with that. Uh, The five singles so far from uh, their upcoming full length are all streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and other streaming services. And you can find them online uh, on Instagram at Another Cheetah. Uh, That's Another underscore Cheetah. Uh, The band members are Chris Fafalios on bass and vocals, Matt Shrimpman Jersevich on guitar and vocals, Paul Menotiades on guitar and vocals, Johnny Yatskanish on guitar and PJ Caruso on the drums. Here's a snippet of their song, Shoulda Known. Chris and Chris. Well, I'm going to start this out with my catchphrase. That was another great episode. Uh, maybe one of the best, in my opinion. It was really cool to hear Matt Skiba talk because when you listen to his music and his lyrics, he seems like he might be a pretty intimidating guy. But then when you listen to him talk to you uh, on this episode, he seems very sweet. Yeah, you know, I uh, I don't know if I've ever come across anybody that didn't have nice things to say about Matt. He's uh, <laughs> he's just a genuine, very, very kind, uh, uh, great, great, gracious person, man. I, I love I love the dude. That's awesome. He is definitely known for his lyrics. Definitely one of the strongest lyric writers in our world of music, and uh, you know. And always that dark imagery, which we talked about on past episodes when we had Jen Pop on and we were talking a lot about imagery. Uh, she obviously she said Alkaline Trio is her favorite band, which I think they're a lot of people's favorite band. And I think the lyrics have a lot to do with that. Um, but that being said, as I talked to you about this earlier, is the lyrics are so good that sometimes you don't even realize that his melodies are also so good so it's like a dual threat the fact that uh these lyrics are so strong and so visual and so visceral that you almost forget like oh these melodies are super catchy and the dude just is an amazing songwriter and a lot of times you know an alkaline trio is a three-piece band you know it's so when it comes down to it it is just the core of rock music you have drums bass guitar and then that 
top line melody and those lyrics. So, you know, there's not all that ear candy that you might have in, in a lot of bands. It's, it's as, as concise as it gets. And I think that's a really cool thing about Alkaline Trio. Yeah, you know, their their songs are just these great rock pop masterpieces, a lot of them with these super dark uh, lyrics. And if you look at Matt's influences, uh, they're kind of all over the place, everything from the Misfits to Bauhaus to The Cure to Susie and the Banshees to The Damned, uh, you know, lots of, of, of dark uh, type lyrics put over this uh, uh, poppy gloss. It's a really cool, uh, cool dichotomy. Right. And, uh, you know, another thing that Matt talked about in this episode, which I always think is super interesting and, and cool, is those songs that just seem like they're gifted to you, that they they just it's like lightning in a bottle. It happens in 15 minutes or it happens in half an hour or whatever it was like off the top of your head is how that song stays and becomes the song that people know. And, uh, you know, you can you can work on a song for months and months and yeah, that song might end up being great or it could just be way overthought. Whereas a song that is just the first thing that comes to you a lot of times is the best thing uh, that that song is going to be. I know the Beatles were a big uh, proponent of that way of thinking. I think that I read in a biography of them before about how if they spent more than, I don't know if it was half an hour or 45 minutes on a song, then it was like, okay, that idea is not good, which I find hard to believe, especially with like some of the later Beatles stuff. But uh, I still, in my own personal songwriting, like to try to think that way, that your first instinct is always the best instinct. And those songs that just come to you a lot of times are the best. And uh, yeah, I was wondering with you, uh, in your experience with Less Than Jake, if you've had, if, if any Less Than Jake songs have come that way where it was just like magic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that first guttural instinct that you just, you know, <laughs> splat that that paint on the canvas that a lot of times right. that's the best idea. And very few times does it end up like, uh, you know, Ryan Key was talking about with Ocean Avenue or uh, Tim McElrath was talking about uh, from Rise Against about uh, the song Savior, where you just labor over it for months and Typically, when you do that, it just, you know, it, the cream doesn't rise at the top. And uh, uh, yeah, I've definitely had that experience. Uh, one of the songs uh, from Less Than Jake's Escape from the A-Bomb House that was written in like five minutes. I remember my very own flag uh, from Pez Corps was written very quickly. It was just boom. There, Here's the lyric sheet. There's the idea. And, uh, you know, sometimes those, uh, as you said, are the best songs. Right. And, you know, you just brought up two examples of the opposite. Like sometimes you can work really hard for a long time on a, on a song and really have to refine it. And, and sometimes those songs are great and hits too, you know, but uh, I think it's really cool when those songs kind of come magically. Um, another thing that you touched on in this episode was when you have multiple projects, knowing which song is appropriate for which band. I, I personally play in in three different bands right now. And when I write songs, I have to think like, okay, is this appropriate for uh, you know, for my punk rock band or is this appropriate for my hard rock band or 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 whatever? And sometimes the lines are a little blurry on that, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was he was pretty direct in his answer with that. He's like, no, I know immediately. If, if it's going to be a Blink song or an Alkaline Trio song or or something from one of his side projects, you know, he does the Projects Heavens and he has uh, Matt Skiba and The Secrets. So he kind of said he knows exactly uh, where the song's going to end up. And, uh, you know, I 
I uh, admire that. I, I have no idea. I, I always just, when I write something, I always feel like it could be for less than Jake, no matter what style or no matter uh, what it is. But I know I'm in the minority there. I know most people are like, no, this has to be <laughs> for this band or that band. But uh, if, if it comes from my heart and I'm singing it, I feel like it could be, be any project for me. Right. And, and I think a lot of that, too, is when you bring that song to your bandmates, you kind of know that they are going to put their touch on it. So if you bring anything to Less Than Jake, you know that once you get those other guys involved, that it could be Less Than Jake. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, well, you know. some yeah, some, sometimes, and that's where the artistic clash comes in, not with just with our band, for any band, where there's times when you bring something in, it's like, well, it has to be this way because that's what our band sounds like. It's like, no, no, the song is like this. It, it, it can be a different flavor and a different sound. And that's scary for bands. That's the whole damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you if you put something out uh, that's different and left of center, it's like, oh, they change, they suck. But if you do the same thing, it's like, oh, they haven't changed, they suck. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's why you can't listen to those voices, man. When you're writing a song, as long as you're writing a song from your heart, an authentic song from the heart, uh, I think people can sense that. And if somebody wants to talk shit on what, whether that song is like other songs you've written or completely different, uh, if someone wants to talk shit, then that's not who you should be concerned with. You should be concerned with uh, writing your true song uh, from yourself. Uh, that anyway, that that's my opinion anyway. And I think most, most songwriters would agree. I, I, I can't argue with it with you on that one. Um, you know, all in all, that was, uh, another great episode. It was, it was so much fun talking to Matt and, uh, I'd like to touch on something new here at Krista makes a podcast. If you don't mind, Chris. Oh, hell yeah, man. Let's hear it. <laughs> we, uh, we are starting, uh, a charity each month. Uh, we're going to do a charity that's going to run for 30 days and we need your help. Uh, this month's charity is big brothers and big sisters out of the Laurel region, which is in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And, uh, you know, I know times are tough right now, but if you could spare anything, just, just a dollar, uh, if you could donate a dollar, our goal, uh, this month, uh, we'd like to reach a thousand dollars. And, uh, Chris, tell us a little bit more uh, about this charity. If you could. Uh, yeah. So if anyone's interested in helping out, you can go to Chris com. Very clever domain name. I came up with it. No big deal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Chris makes a difference.com and big brothers, big sisters of the Laurel region. Just like, I mean, a lot, a lot of, uh, good causes out there. Uh, they're behind their goal for the year. You know, the pandemic has not helped <laughs> with that sort of thing. And um, I kind of have a personal connection to this. My good friend, uh, Johnny Etzganish, who is a member of uh, the band you might not know <laughs> that was featured on this episode, Another Cheetah. Uh, he is very involved and um, he's actually a big brother. He, I went to his banquet and he was a big brother to two. He was the only person to have two little brothers. Uh, and they, they gave him a special honor because of that. Uh, but it's just a great organization um, that really helps kids have, uh, you know, someone in their life who, who they might not have that, that, that particular role model and friend in their life. And I just have seen the way it's affected uh, kids, especially the kids that I got to know through my buddy, Johnny, uh, just great kids. And, and it's just like a very heartwarming and great thing that they do that I really think helps the whole community as a whole, you know? And, uh, so, you know, this particular big brothers and big sisters of the Laurel region, that's close to where I live. So when, uh, Chris and I discussed wanting to do this, that was one that was personal to me. 
Uh, so I said, Hey, would you mind if we started out with this? And Chris was all about it. And, uh, you know, and big brothers and big sisters of the lower region were also very appreciative. Uh, we don't know what kind of, you know, this is our first time doing this. So we don't know, uh, where to set our goal, but we thought a thousand dollars was attainable. We know we have, uh, many thousands of subscribers now. So that's why we say like, if you can pitch in a buck even or five bucks, or maybe you have 20 bucks you want to pitch in, but we, we're striving for that goal of a thousand dollars and hopefully we can shatter that. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated. But, uh, yeah, if you want to, uh, chip in, you can go to Chris demakesadifference.com. Yeah. We just want to uh, be able to give back and use this platform and doing so it, it, it feels good. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, thought this be a, be a great uh, charity to start with. And, uh, we'll, uh, let you know about it, uh, each week, a reminder. And, uh, the first week of October, uh, we will let you know the tally uh, for this month. So thank you, uh, so much out there, all listeners for, for all your help. So at this juncture, uh, Chris always has this fancy little segue he does so I can plug my, uh, all my various projects. But, uh, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, Chris. I tried to figure out a segue for you because I want Chris to plug something that he does that's really cool. And I just came up empty. I, I failed. I failed you, Chris, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, Chris has an Etsy shop. He does these amazing enamel pins and, uh, please tell our listeners all about it. Uh, yeah, so I've had this Etsy shop for a while. I know enamel pins are a very niche thing, but I enjoy designing them, and I've had this shop for a few years. It's at iloveenamelpins.com. I have close to 80 designs, and uh, you know, if you like pins, uh, you can go check out my shop at iloveenamelpins.com. And as a little bonus for listening to Chris Demakes a podcast, if you use the discount code Chris Demakes, uh, it'll get you 30% off your order on iloveenamelpins.com. Mom, if you're listening, I made it. I now have a discount code with my name. That's like you, the ultimate. Yeah, man. Once you're a discount code, you know you've made it. <laughs> Check out Chris's stuff at I Love Enamel Pins. Uh, they, they're absolutely killer. I love them. Thanks, um, man. Yeah, man. And uh, no segue needed for me. I'm just going to give my shameless plug. Yeah. I would love <laughs> to write a custom song for you. Uh, Chris does the animation. If you'd like animation put to it for your uh, band video for your business. I write jingles, also do voiceovers. And what I've been really uh, loving lately is doing the one-on-one -on -one live video consultations. This could be anything from song collaborations, uh, producing a song with you and your band, uh, to just answering general questions uh, uh, pertaining to the, to the music business in general. So uh, if you'd like information on all the above, uh, please email me at chrisdemakes at gmail.com and uh, we'll get cracking on some projects. Uh, today was another fantastic episode. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes if you could, and we will see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. 
We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!